0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Miss Nayeg and Iskoyak. My name is Kayla, and I am one of the amazing book women. And I am here with... I'm Tanya,
1: and we also have our awesome co-host, Sheila. And today,
2: our guest is...
3: Hi, everyone. Uh, This is Dion Kazis. I'm a Hungarian, Métis, and Intakopmo cultural tattoo practitioner and tattoo artist. I'm super stoked to be here and to have this conversation
1: awesome welcome i don't know let's start off at the beginning how did you get into tattooing dion or would you like to introduce yourself a little bit further
3: no i think we'll we'll roll with it and go with your question i think uh what i had yes. to say for an introduction is done so <laughs> so yeah no you know the story of you know, how I came into tattooing initially started with just loving tattoos, you know, in the the broader sense of tattooing in Western European pop culture, you know, going into the tattoo shop, picking something off the wall, getting it tattooed or bringing in a design, you know, uh, looking at my relatives tattoos, my uncle had a tattoo from when he was in the Navy or in the military. And then, you know, my other uncle had tattoos associated with his culture in in texas and so you know just seeing those tattoos made me stoked about tattoos period and so you know i kept getting tattoos up until about 2006 when i uh, went into a tattoo shop to get work done on my right sleeve and as i was sorting through the magazines you know every generic tattoo magazine, biker magic magazine. And there was this little tiny pamphlet entitled Tattooing Face and Body Painting of the Thompson Indians. And so I said in my introduction that I'm well, is our word for who we are, but the Thompson Indians was a word that was given to us by those who have visited us in the past. And so, you know, I always say that when I found that little booklet, I always say my head just about popped off because I didn't realize we had our own tattooing tradition, our own cultural ancestral practice. And so, you know, that kind of sat in my heart and my mind, this reality that we have a tattooing tradition. And later on down the road, I started apprenticing uh, as a professional tattoo artist using machine and through work in my undergraduate degree, I began to research our ancestral Infokotmok tattooing practice and the connection of Indigenous tattoo revival globally, what it does for us as Indigenous people, picking up something, reviving something, building a resurgence of a practice that you know reaches to the past for the future. Through the present and so you know it was kind of like this culmination of the research learning how to tattoo and then realizing that i had the responsibility to revive this practice for my ancestors and for the people to be the coming generations
0: i think that's so exciting and i know especially like you were saying your first memories of kind of tattoos and seeing tattoos. I think a lot of people kind of have that memory of the first time they ever see somebody with a tattoo or body piercing and just kind of the thoughts that go through your head. I know I grew up with it because my dad was in the Navy. So he had old school Navy tattoos. My uncle was a biker. He had old like prison biker tattoos. Um, But my friend, her, my best friend, her family, none of them had tattoos. So when we became friends, she saw my dad's like very visible tattoos on his arms. And she's like, that was the first time I've ever seen a tattoo. And she's like, and I was just hooked. It's art that you're wearing. And it just, it was absolutely like, I mean, it was faded. It was like 40 years old, like hard on his arm, but she's like, it's just like memory that you have. And I mean, I remember the first time that I saw someone who was heavily tattooed and pierced and just being like, wow, like that is not only like a love of tattoos and piercings, but also dedication, because it takes time to heal things. It takes money, you know, you have to pay your artist. So there is like a dedication behind being like heavily modified as well. And I think like, that's something, especially people that think negatively around tattoos and piercings, they don't understand that for some people, it is like a love and a passion to be tattooed and pierced. And it's not just, oh, I just you know there is that kind of oh I just feel like I want to go get this today but for some people like it it extends to be more and you're more of like a collector and that's a term that I've been hearing a lot more is like a tattoo collector or a piercing collector but it is kind of like a collection and people like to show off their tattoos especially when they are heavily modified it is a collection that you're wearing but yeah I'm really excited about um interviewing you about like traditional tattoo forms, because I think that's something that we're seeing a lot more is kind of like this revitalization in Indigenous communities of traditional tattooing methods and it's really exciting.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, you know, when I started this work, it was, there was no one else doing it, you know, in the immediate area you know, I I knew of one or two other people uh, who were working in the revival, but there were no Indigenous people that I was aware of who was doing the skin stitching, number one. And then there were only a few folks doing the hand poking. And so I always say that, you know, the reason why I've Uh, made it part of my life's goal is to help teach others is to start to carry some of the burden of this work and then also have colleagues that you know we can talk about things have people that do the same things friends in that same circle so yeah it's been exciting to see the explosion of the revival of our ancestral tattooing traditions and practices.
2: Dion can you describe what that visually looks like?
3: Yeah for sure. Uh, you mean the methods? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, there's two main uh, ways that my ancestors, the uh tattooed, you know, ancestrally. And that is, number one, uh, hand poking. And so basically, you're just taking a needle. For us, it would have been bone, a fish bone, could have been a sharpened rock. And poking the skin either number one with ink or pigment on tool or poking the hole and then rubbing the ink and in afterwards and so that's a uh, what commonly known today as stick and poke or my friend she said it was uh, poke and joke because that's what they would do when they were younger is you know poke and joke little tattoos on their feet and things but she would always say But your your tattoos are professional poking jokes, so. (laughs) And then the second method is uh, skin stitching. And so you take a needle and it has a thing of thread upon it and you dip it in the ink, insert the needle under the skin, puncture it move it a couple of millimeters underneath the skin, puncture the skin again, and then pull the needle and thread all the way through the skin. And so essentially what you're doing is you have two holes and you create a tunnel of ink underneath the skin, which then uh, leaves your pigment. So, you know, the common description of tattooing is placing pigment underneath the skin. And so that's the way that we would have done it in times past and our Continuing and doing today.
2: Okay, I just have like a noob curiosity question. Yeah. Um, is that more painful than like regular?
1: Oh, I was regular, thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same thing.
2: Like <laughs> tattoos that I currently have. No, you know, um, it's
3: a common question that people ask: is is skin stitching because it's such a visual and people have the same visual reaction to just the description of it, let alone a picture of it, is just that cringe of, ooh, that must hurt. But when you think about the amount of times that a tattoo machine, an electric tattoo machine that we use uh, in the tattoo shop, the amount of times that that needle goes up and down and the speed and the rate of travel actually equals to a lot of trauma. And so when you think about hand poking, uh, it's actually even less trauma. So you think of usually two weeks to heal a machine tattoo, seven days for a hand poke, and usually you're done healing a skin stitch in four or five days. And so when you think about the amount of trauma that is actually done to your skin and those different methods relates, I would argue, to the amount of pain associated with the method. But I would say that it's more the thought of the needle and the thread going underneath your skin that freaks people out, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, I could only imagine watching that happening. It would be almost like when you get blood drawn and you're like, oh my God, is that what it actually looks like? Because I, for most of my tattoos, I've been in weird positions, laying down, sitting, but not really able to watch until I got tattooed on my arm, like close close to my hand and I could actually, I was watching the whole thing and I'm like, I've actually never seen myself get tattooed before. Like this is, I couldn't stop watching because I was just like, that's what it looks like. It was a very interesting experience, but I can only imagine, especially because it seems to be when I was watching the videos of you doing skin stitching, like it does take time and there's like precision in doing it. So I can only imagine just sitting there watching this thread go through your arm and it would just be just a completely different experience than watching the tattoo machine going across your skin.
3: Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a different experience. And then of course, always this question comes up, you know, about authenticity, you know, are, you know, when we think about revival, is it necessary for us to be using, you know, traditional hand poke and skin stitch methods, over the machine tattoo you know does it make it more authentic is is it better you know is there a hierarchy and I always say that you know I don't think there is a hierarchy however I do believe there is a unique experience that you gain when you use the ancestral tools but that doesn't mean that it's you know the best way to do it it's just that you know, there is a certain experience that you are missing out when you use the electric machine. However, I would also argue that in many cases, it's not always about that process. It's also about the, you know, the mark itself. You know, I think when I think of my own first hand poke skin stitch from my community based on our designs and symbols, it, I always say it's a post-it note, a reminder for know, my responsibilities. I always say that it's a a reminder to my responsibilities for the people to be, to my family, my community and the earth and all that is. So, you know, it just depends on the way that we look at tattoos and in the revival of tattooing, what we emphasize and de-emphasize. And I always say we are contemporary people. So, you know, we have to live in this contemporary world and decide what our revival of a tradition looks like for us today because we're not the same as our ancestors our ancestors didn't have to number one worry about who they were as an intercom person as a Cree person as an inuit person they just that's just what they were they lived with their stories their language in their territory and on their land and we today are struggling to find out who we are because of the processes of colonization and so of course our traditions will look different than when they were in the past.
1: Wow. Dion, I I keep thinking about that comment that you made about the trauma to the skin and how Indigenous methods actually it only takes about a week for healing time. That's bananas. That's bananas. That's I just keep thinking of all of the other methods that we have as indigenous peoples that, yeah, that like you said, they're not better, but it's a different way of looking and and viewing the world. And yeah, I I guess I don't have a question surrounding that. I'm just sitting on it a little bit longer than I I originally thought that I would, because holy cow, that says something. I don't know what it says quite yet, but.
3: (laughs) I mean, when you look at You know, it just brings to mind uh, that comment, uh, what one of my mentors, uh, Keone Nunez, who is a Hawaiian cacao or Hawaiian tattoo master says that, you know, when you lay down, he describes the hand tapping process. So they use basically a tattoo needle uh, attached to a piece of wood, which then you tap to insert the ink under the skin. And he says that that process of laying down on the mat, having your tattoo tapped in is like a time machine that takes you back 200, 300 years, and you feel exactly what your ancestors felt in a way that isn't possible in a lot of other ways. And he says that that tapping is a whisper of the ancestors. And so for me, when I think about the skin stitching and the hand poking, especially the hand poking, you can hear a little pop a little sound. And so I always relate that back to what Keone says is that that experience of sitting in that place, you're feeling exactly what your ancestors felt while you're getting a mark that connects you to your ancestors, your community, and to your traditional territories
1: sounds very it sounds ceremonial right because you're going into that space and you're once you're in that space you're transported and you're remembering to remember that's why ceremony is so important and I know that uh, when I've gotten tattoos it's it's a very mindful experience right so you have to stay within yourself I never thought about it that way
0: well I think too even when you when you are getting tattooed it's kind of like you're building a relationship and you're building kind of like collaboration right it is and you're building trust in the person who is also tattooing you you know that that the tattoo is going to look the way that you want it but also depending on where you're getting tattooed like the tattoo artist is all up on you like in your business like I have laid in some weird positions before while getting tattooed with like tattoo artist like right near my butt cheeks, like getting right in there. And it's just like, you have to have trust in that person, but it's also like, they're touching you. It is kind of like a ceremonial experience with somebody, you know, being present kind of in our own little space and just having like a moment, but there's also like, you know, you have to be in the right mindset when you're getting tattooed. I know I've gotten tattoos when I've been in like a very low place in my life because of like deaths in the family, stuff like that, and getting like memorial tattoos. And those ones are always the ones that seem the hardest to sit through when you're just not in a good mind space. When I'm in a good mind space and I'm getting tattooed, it's so much easier to sit there for hours and get tattooed than it is when, you know, I'm hurting. You know, if you have a good tattoo artist, sometimes, you know, some people like to talk, some people don't when you're getting tattooed, it's all about the artist. But I know even sometimes just sitting there and explaining why I'm getting tattooed and I've been getting tattooed by the same artist for years now so just being like hey like my dog died I'm getting a memorial tattoo and just like even getting that out there and being like you know this one might be a rough one like because I'm just really hurting right now so but other times it's like yeah I just wanted to get this done because I thought it would look cool <laughs> but yeah it's like <laughs> building that connection with the somebody intention? Right? Yeah, you're, exactly. you're creating
1: a connection. It's it's relational and we're relational beings and that's part of where the story gets connected to. I mean, that's one of the many aspects where storytelling kind of comes into this and I'll use myself as an example because the last tattoos I got, I got these little ghosties on my forearms. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the guy who was tattooing me, I won't name the the studio or the person, but the whole time he was talking about conspiracy theories and how all of these celebrities are linked to a sex trafficking circle, which I mean, yes, is a very important topic to think about. But now every time I like talk about how I get this tattoo, I have that like <laughs> intention and story in my mind about this, uh. This guy talking to me about Trump and James Franco and all of these other people. So
0: <laughs> he, he was like, like a, a weird QAnon person. Person. weird. Yeah,
1: yeah, he was talking about that and PizzaGate, and I was like, I
0: this I is a weird
1: conversation to have in the morning getting tattooed right now.
0: <laughs> I would have been so uncomfortable getting tattooed. Was. I I would have had to put my earphones in and been like, oh, keep going. <laughs> Like, I, I rarely... know, but
1: the people pleasing oh. part of me was like, oh. just listening, like, okay, <laughs> I should, I should have put headphones on, but yeah. <laughs> you know, this... lessons were learned. <laughs> lessons yeah, were definitely. learned.
2: <laughs> this is why it's interesting for me to like have this conversation with you, Dion, because I've never been tattooed by men. Cause, mm. uh, what you say Kayla about like, men, like it's a very intimate experience. I'm like, I don't want men touching my body like yeah. i mean yes because i date them and whatever but like i don't want them tattooing me <laughs> it's too intimate i mean maybe i have intimacy issues but anyway uh, i will no out. i know i
3: would say that you're not alone uh there's that's definitely a thing and you know i have tattooed many people who are women or uh, LGBTQ or two-spirit people who don't allow men to tattoo them but through the relationship and the building of a understanding of our relationship and the way that we interact I've you know they've allowed me to tattoo them so I would say that you're certainly not alone in that sentiment it's just a you know I think it's one of the things that we have to continually bring forward is the ceremonial and the healing aspects of tattooing and putting those forward, not only in our own Indigenous communities, but in the wider public to ensure that the safety of everyone who is being tattooed is paramount. And that, you know, it's not just about a transaction in terms of funds but it is a relational act regardless of where the studio is who the people are being tattooed it's important to put forward you know the healing aspects and the safety aspects of tattooing in a general sense for everyone Um, you know and of course that extends into the work that I do as a cultural tattoo practitioner ensuring health and safety are paramount in all the work that I do
0: Yeah. And I think sometimes too, it's when we're getting tattooed, it's you're very vulnerable when you're about to get tattooed. Um, I know I've been tattooed several times, but even when I'm getting ready to go into the shop, like I feel very vulnerable sometimes just because I'm nervous, even though I've been through it a ton of times, it's like, you never know how it's going to feel until you actually sit down and get started. Or even just anything about that day could just go wrong. Like you don't know how your body's going to react. I remember getting my wrist tattooed and being like, this is going to be the worst. Like it goes right over the bone. And I was like, okay, I got him mentally prepared for this. And then he was just like, okay, this is going to suck. Are you ready? And he did it. And I didn't even feel it. I was like, oh, that, that was nothing. And then it was like a really random spot that really hurt. And I was like, oh, that really hurts there. But it's just like, you get your heart races, you get sometimes like that knot in your stomach when you're just like, oh yeah, I forgot what this feeling is like. But I think it's really good to have um, like a tattoo artist that is someone who can understand like that individuals might be going through things and that it is sometimes like a really nervous experience or scary experience for people um, just because it's the unknown. And it always is an unknown when you're going in. So it's really, I think that's why it's important to kind of like really get to know tattoo artists do your research and you know it's okay to just walk in and get a tattoo but I think in the long run like you said it is about building those relationships and figuring out people and knowing who you can trust and who you like and that makes the experience a lot better when you know that you can trust somebody and it's almost like going in and being like like when I go and see my artist I'm like oh yeah this is like seeing someone I haven't seen for a while and it's always like it, it makes me more comfortable when that happens. So.
1: All right, Dion, I have a question for you. Our podcast is about storytelling and our mandate, uh, we discussed this a little bit earlier, is that storytelling comes in all different types of forms. It's not just pen to paper. We're not a podcast about just reading books and only books. Um, We're about, it's about expressing things for your body, uh, those types of things. So I'm wondering how you see tattoo artistry and tattooing As a part of the storytelling, Indigenous storytelling more generally.
3: Well I think it's just tweaking you know the way that we understand that idea of storytelling and then flipping it on its head to say that it's about communication you know. So I would say that you know tattoos are about communication whether that's in the healing aspects of understanding the story that you have with yourself, you know. So understanding the narrative of your life, a lot of times, you know, we are we're so able today to disconnect from our own lived experience or embodied experience. And one thing that tattooing does is it makes you very aware of your body and makes you start to go inside and to think about things and to work through things. And I always have people who say, oh, I haven't relaxed in, you know, a month, even though they're being, you know, attacked by a tattoo needle, they still feel like they're being relaxed. You know, they have a time to sit and do nothing but something for themselves. And so that's one way that I see tattooing as uh, a ceremony of, finding the ability to look at your own story, your own life story, and to connect with it through your body. Then I'd also say, you know, when I look at very visible tattoos connected with our ancestors, it tells another story. It tells the story of the resilience of our ancestors who prayed and cried and struggled so that we could exist today. So the story sometimes that you see with a very visible tattoo that's connected with some ancestral background, whether that's Inuktitut, whether that's Cree, you know, Inuit, Maori, Samoan, it tells the story of the resilience of our ancestors who lived through colonization, and it tells the story of resilience. And then, of course, each individual's experience with their tattoo, whether that's yeah, that's a, maybe it's that, that's a more memorial tattoo. And so that tattoo has a very specific story that it's trying to tell of someone's uh, working through the grieving process, the loss and the love of somebody, or the loathing sometimes of somebody who has passed, right? And so that tells its own specific, interesting story. And then I would also, you know, go into that further is, you know, a lot of times it just brings to recall that, you know, for our ancestors, well, for my ancestors, you know, we tattooed for healing purposes. We tattooed in connection to uh, the spirit world. We tattooed as what, you know, the anthropologists call magic, you know, so I want to hook up with somebody real good and have a real good husband or partner or wife and You know, so I'm going to tattoo some magic so I get that right person. Or sometimes you would tattoo, if you wanted to be a good hunter, you would tattoo a a bow and an arrow. You know, uh, in other ways, we would tattoo just to be beautiful. And so I always like to bring that forward is that, you know, if it was good enough for the ancestors, it's good enough for us today. Is just to get the work done that we need to get done so that we can, uh, like my friend Gordon says, you know, pay the blood and pain sacrifice for that mark that helps you on the journey of your life. There's a long answer to that, you know, question. And I think that story, another thing is also the story of that experience. You know, a lot of times because I work with so many people, I won't always remember their face, but as soon as they show me their tattoo, I know exactly what we were talking about. I can remember by and large, the type of music we were, listening to and I can probably tell you some of the stories that we shared together and so you know it is about that story of our relationships as well you know as the tattooer the person being tattooed you know there's a story there as well so you know I think there is so many different facets of story and story work in the act of tattooing especially in the Indigenous context
1: absolutely I love the idea of tattoo magic, for one, I think that's awesome. <laughs> Secondly, I wanted to pick up on what you said about embodied experiences, because that's something that I mean, I don't want to generalize all of us, but a, a lot of indigenous folks, especially indigenous women have experienced trauma, including myself. And particularly when we're younger, and when we're younger, one of our only ways to cope with trauma is escape right? And falling asleep. That's one of our, one of my trauma responses, of course. And in doing it, if you think about that in, in a spiritual sense, it's like your spirit is escaping your body, right? So bringing that tattoo is almost like reconnecting your body and your spirit together. That is a magical experience.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I would say, you know, when, as people have shared the experiences of what the tattoo means to them, you know, sometimes a larger, chest and body tattoos, one of the things that was said is this is armor. And then I have other friends who are working in uh you know academic circles and academic institutions which are very colonial. And sometimes they believe their tattoos to be armor. And then in other ways it's also like you said beginning to take control of your body. And I would say that it's also taking control in the sense of very real trauma, historic trauma, ancestral trauma that has come down through DNA to today that we are experiencing. And then I was also say that it's, you know, taking control from that socially diseased body, which is commodified. Everything that we do has a dollar sign upon it. And so when we take charge of our body, we are taking that initiative back that, no, you don't have control of this part of who I am. Yeah, I totally
1: understand that. Sorry, Sheila. Um, That just makes me think of sometimes when I get triggered, I chop all my hair off, right? But that's essentially what it is. It's like me reclaiming and empowering myself and taking control over my body because a lot of my trauma has to do with longer hair.
2: Go ahead, Sheila. (laughs) Oh no, it's okay. Like my cat is just having an attitude. So like I'm on mute. It's really interesting i'm loving this conversation and like i'm thinking about like symbolism in storytelling and like tattooing because that's always like a question that noobs like ask you know what does that mean and it's like oh god it means fuck you like i don't know (laughs) you know like it means i don't want to talk about what it means you know or whatever, or whatever it could be, you know, mm-hmm. like there's there's different things. And like, especially with, when it comes to like indigenous, like tattooing, some things are private yes. and like some knowledge you don't get. And I don't know if that ever comes up. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, and for
3: sure. And maybe you
2: don't have to, maybe it's private. No, like, that's so. good.
3: No, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, um, it's always interesting an interesting question and you know it, it's approached from a few different ways, and I think there are some tattoos that are totally private and you know if they are associated with somebody's walk and somebody's journey. With their helper or with you know uh, another dimension, you know, sometimes by sharing the story of what that tattoo means takes away some of the power of that. Tattoo. Um, and I would say that sometimes you know uh, one of the experiences. That I always bring forward is my friend Holly, who is Inuit. You know, she has her facial tattoo, and she always tells uh, stories of people coming up to her in the summer in Alaska and asking her, "Well, what does that mean?" And when we were in Hawaii, our friend uh, Julia Mungiao Gray, who is from Papua New Guinea, she has a phrase when people ask her, "Well, what does that mean?" She says, "It means everything to me and nothing to you." So there's different ways to approach, you know, uh, that question, what does it mean? And I always say that, you know, I put it forward sometimes, especially when it's settlers asking me the question, this means that I'm here and that you have to deal with, you know, this means that I'm connected to a territory that is unceded and stolen, which you have no justification for. So, you know, it could mean different things. And then Julia also says, it's not, what does it It's not, the question shouldn't necessarily be, what does it mean in terms of, oh, that's a centipede, I'm very strong. It's actually, what does it mean to wear it? know so just taking it and turning that question to a little bit different of a place where we can start to look at it what does it mean to wear well it means that i'm reaching back into the past to hold hands with my aunties my my uncles my great grandma my my great grandfather and holding that today so that i can walk into the future to make it better for those who are coming so you know there's a variety of different ways that people can look at it and i have another friend who uh heidi harper lucero she talks about she's from california and she talks about with her chin tattoo that she loves having it there and she loves having people ask her questions because that gives her an opportunity to educate and so sometimes it also depends on context it'll be interesting i've done an exhibition at the uh, Winnipeg Art Gallery. We did a hand poke and a skin stitch with the Earthline Tattoo Collective uh, with Jordan Bennett and Amy Mulbuff. And I was giving a talk about the tattooing that was happening. And I said the very clear thing that just because you ask doesn't mean that mean that we're obligated to answer. And I said, you know, in reality, it's actually rude to ask that question unless we have some type of relationship. And so at the end of every time that I say that phrase, somebody automatically pops up and goes, well, what does that mean? And I'm like, like, I just told you it's not appropriate to always ask that question. So, yeah, it's an interesting uh, conversation. And just depends on the context also depends on because we're human beings what we're feeling like that day you know some days it's like yeah okay i will educate you i'll share uh, other days it's like nah this is mine you have nothing to do with it sorry
0: i'm just like my mind is like blown right now um however i did i did want to ask about um something that i recently saw on tiktok and i mean tiktok is just like. It is what it is some days. Um, but I saw um, on TikTok there was a non Maori tattoo artist who was doing Maori facial designs on non Maori people. And I know with tattoos there does come like stories a sense of ownership of designs and there's also I feel like and I mean correct me if I'm wrong that there's probably some training and protocol that goes into being a Indigenous tattoo artist that non-Indigenous tattoo artists don't have with the apprenticeship and kind of master relationship so do you want to speak about that a little bit more for our listeners and kind of the difference between you know traditional Indigenous tattooers and you know Western tattooing and the protocol behind it?
3: Yeah I would say that you know uh, it connects to the larger conversation of cultural appropriation and I think that's the most appropriate place to begin with for this conversation because for me when I talk about cultural appropriation a lot of times I put it within the context of a legacy and a history of genocide and so our people have been through land thefts we've had our identity stolen in terms of the homogenization of us as indians or native americans we've had our uh, cultural objects made into uh, you know costumes you know we've had our children stolen we've had languages stolen we've had the missing and murdered indigenous women and boys and men and so for me The use of our cultural markings, which which connect us to our ancestors, connect us to our stories, connect us to our lands and territories, is just another level of theft and another step in the history of genocide. And so I always say, if you don't have the rights, relationship and responsibility to give that mark, number one, to receive that mark, then it doesn't belong to you and you don't have a right to it. So the reason that I say that is some of our markings are for our dreams. You know, they were given to us from the spirit world in our dreams. And so if you're going to take that and tattoo that on your body, you don't know why that was given. Maybe that was given to uh, stop me from having some type of cancer in some part of my body. Maybe that was given to me because I was struggling with something. Well, now you're going to take that on yourself And you have to deal with the consequences of embodying that mark, which was actually meant to heal, but who knows what the consequences could be. And then you look even further that some of those tattoos in some communities, like in the Northwest Coast, uh, Haida, Tlingit, uh, Nishka, those tattoos are embodiments of a original ancestor and a time when they were given the right and the responsibility to wear that tattoo upon their body. So if you're just taking that, you're not taking into account the protocols that come from each individual community. And a lot of times it's also placed within the context of, um, what would you say, you know, intellectual property rights, which for me, that's just a continuation of the doctrine of discovery, which said that when you came to these lands, if you weren't uh, Christian, or you weren't civilized enough, we could take your land. Well, you're not using those tattoos. So we're going to use them the way that we think they should be used. Well, no, that's just a continuation of a history and a culture of genocide. So when I break that down, I say, if the tattoo artist is Indigenous and they have rights, relationship, and responsibility to that pattern, design, and motif, then fine, they have the right to tattoo that on whoever they would like. If the person receiving the tattoo, regardless of whether the person is giving it, is Indigenous or not, of course you have rights, relationship, and responsibility to that mark from your connection to your community and to your ancestors. And then we come to the last situation where it's a non-Indigenous person tattooing a non-Indigenous person, neither of them with rights, relationship and responsibility to those marks, that is cultural appropriation. And you are stepping on the laws and protocols of the given community that you are taking it from. And so it's just the continuation of a racist assumption that our way of thinking is better than your way of thinking
2: you touched on this a little bit and like there's, I kind of want to expand a little bit upon it. Like there's a lot of cultural appropriation everywhere. Um, But also like with tattooing, like in, I guess if we want to extend this like thinking in the genre of tattooing, tribal tattooing, like what the fuck, you know? And like, I've Dream seen a catchers. Lo- I've seen a yes, lot of dream catchers. Yes, like dream why catchers? would you put that on your body? You're just,
0: Women in, negative energy. women in headdresses that's always the one that gets me when it's like in yeah. a traditional style tattoo and it's like a woman in a headdress and I'm just like oh yeah like
2: Why? yeah but like a Why? western a western yeah. traditional like yeah. not like traditional <laughs> traditional no
0: like old school tra- like American traditional yeah exactly
2: or skeletons wearing headdresses like I've seen that a lot and I'm like that's fucked like what are you doing I don't know you say know it more eloquently than <laughs> <laughs> did, but no, no, yeah. I
3: think, uh, you know, there's a lot of things to unpack uh, when it comes to a lot of those genres. When you look at, you know, what would call originally started as a movement called primitivism um, and came to, you know, what you would call like an Americanized, Europeanized tribal style, you know, a lot of the rhetoric that was around the building up of those movements was, At the base and the core of it was an assumption of the romanticized version of who Indigenous people were. So I'm struggling against my postmodern identity and I need some way of, you know, anchoring myself to something that is true and that is real. And I'm connecting myself to an imagined uh, idea of the savage. For me, that's the beginning of that Americanized European East tribal which tries to connect itself to something that is more pure, that is a romanticized version of who we are. And then you, when I come back to the women in headdresses, well, that is about a fetishization, romanticization, and leads into the missing and murdered Indigenous women. You know, it's about looking at, you know, the Indian maiden as something that is sexual, you know, and then you look at the other versions of characters of Indigenous people, Indigenous men in uh, American traditional tattooing, and it connects to this idea of the savage. And so, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes and things that are coming up in all of those versions of how we as Indigenous people are represented in Western European tattooing.
1: So, obviously, we are living in weird pandemic times. So, something we've been asking our guests this season, Dion, is how has the pandemic affected your work and the storytelling that you're able to produce through
3: your work? In terms of the tattooing aspect, you know, it certainly has reduced my ability and my capacity to, you know, do this work, especially when a lot of the work that I do as a cultural tattoo practitioner is facial tattooing. So, you know, I always talk about the work of a cultural tattoo practitioner has to be above and beyond that of the regular industry, because of the history of germ warfare among Indigenous people. And so for me, it's been important to highlight the safety aspects of the work that we do. And in this time, just the same. And so, you know, I won't be doing any work on the face during this whole time. And then of course, I haven't been able to travel, which I do a lot of traveling and then people travel to me to get work done, you know, whether they're from, you know, the other side of the province, you know, other side of the country in BC, from anywhere else. So it's really reduced my ability to do this work, but has opened up uh, an opportunity for me to go through the archive of the documentation that I've had of the journey through the revival of Indigenous tattooing, whether that's, you know, tattooing in one of our traditional mat lodges, you know, a traditional hampook. And so being able to edit the video and the documentation that I have of this work and this journey. so. It's been good that I've had that time, although that ends up being a lot of burnout in terms of doing all of that screen time. So, yeah, it's been good and bad. But as we move forward, it's opened up a lot of opportunities like this one to sit and have conversations with people that I probably wouldn't have a conversation with in this type of way. And so there's lots of different ways to look at it so good and bad but you know it's transformed it and uh, allowed a lot of time as well to start to think about some of those aspects that I have had as hunches in my mind through the practice to begin to start to research them look at them you know to think about trauma and how do we deal with trauma in the practice of traditional tattooing, not only, you know, the trauma of the client, the trauma of colonization, but my own trauma. And how do I work through that? And how do I protect myself in those type of situations in terms of working with people who are working through their own challenges and their own healing journey? So, you know, beginning, it's helped me to start to think about things that I haven't had an opportunity to think about that have been in the back of my mind as I've been doing the work.
0: Yeah, and I guess also during COVID, I know one of the things that have been cancelled is, and this is big in the tattoo industry, are like tattoo conventions. Just like, you know, us librarians, we go to conferences, they kind of have tattoo conventions across Canada. So I guess in this time of COVID, it must be hard to connect with other artists from across Canada and even, you know, other individuals who are... From different provinces who might want to be tattooed by you that's something that I miss I miss going to tattoo conventions Um, I enjoy them I like seeing tattoos I like I don't I really like the sound of the machines I don't know what it is but I like the sound and I kind of don't mind the smell that's also another thing is some people really get freaked out by the like really like medical smell of piercing and tattoo studios but I like it and I think just like we're feeling that missing of you know being with our colleagues it must be the same for you and your colleagues not being able to connect at this time and it yeah, must be definitely. yeah and with tattoos like they are such like a personal thing unlike libraries like we can hop on zoom we can have virtual conferences but I, I imagine it would be really hard to have like a virtual tattoo convention so
3: yeah totally Yeah, no, it's been totally a challenge in terms of us as cultural tattoo practitioners, because there actually are, there's more and more of us in Canada and on Turtle Island. But, you know, the vast majority of my colleagues are in New Zealand, in Seattle, you know, in other parts of the world, in Samoa, in Tahiti, all of these other places. And I don't get to see them unless we're at a convention, unless we're at a cultural event. So, yeah, it's been really hard. And, of course, people can't relate to what you're going through in terms of the work that you do unless they do similar work. And so, you know, it's been hard to not be able to visit with them and go to those places that we always go to. You know, every year we go to New Zealand. Every year we go, you know, to other conventions and other places to, to. Visit with our friends. So yeah, it's definitely been a lot harder to make those type of connections. And then I would also say, you know, it was one of the things that I talked about with my, uh, you know, non-Indigenous colleagues is that a lot of us are very private you know, we don't, aren't very outgoing. A lot of our personal, the time that our people time is when we're at work at the tattoo shop, even though sometimes that's only like 10 or 15 minutes. Hey, yo, what's up? You know, what are you doing today? Talk about the design. And, oh, my, I had to take my cat to the vet today, you know, and that's enough people time in the day to get me through. And so when we started back after the initial first wave lockdown, that was the number thing one thing that we were all relating to each other is like hey I just missed seeing all of you here right and so yeah it's been really uh challenging in that respect for sure
2: so something that Kayla was talking about at the beginning maybe on maybe on recording I don't know I don't know anymore did you write a thesis about tattooing yeah. and do you want to talk about it
3: yeah 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 for sure cool I defended my master's thesis in 2018. I can't remember the whole title, but uh, you know, a, a thesis about the, the main thesis question was, what are the steps that we need to take to revive a ancestral tattooing tradition? And so I really took, you know, a storied approach in terms of the story of the steps that I took. like, you know, you have to understand, you know, the visual language from your larger community. So go look at baskets, go look at rock art. You know, a lot of times we get stuck in this idea we need photos or we need drawings of the tattoos that our ancestors had. The things that were painted on canoes, on clothing, on rock are the same things that we tattooed on our bodies because that, those are the visual communication that we needed to uh, navigate our existence at that time. And so go out into the world and find those visual cues to inspire the creation of designs today. And then I interviewed friends and colleagues uh, about the steps that they took, you know, where were they looking for inspiration? Who inspired them? You know, what are the tips that the they could take, you know, others could take in their own journey of reviving their ancestral tattooing tradition. And then another question that I had was how do I honor the oral culture of my ancestors in the publication of a master's thesis, a graduate thesis? And the way that I answered that question is the people that I interviewed, instead of transcribing their voice, I actually embedded a video. The video that I recorded of them in the PDF so that when you go there and I say Nahan said this or Teotihuacan said this you click the link or you click the video and you can actually watch them talking about their experience telling their own story and when I did that I also wanted to ensure that I didn't speak over them in terms of their experience because a lot of times in theses or other academic writing The experts, the true experts are asked about whatever the topic is, in this case, tattooing and the revival of, say, Tahitian tattooing. And then the author, whoever is writing about writing the thesis, theorizes about what the person just said. But for me, it's important to allow the Indigenous voice to speak in the way that it needs to be spoken and not to speak over it. And so, you know, that's the work that I did in my master's thesis is just sharing, giving Indigenous landmarks in the academy. And then number two, sharing the journey of what it's like and the healing journey that I took through the revival of my ancestral tattoo. That
1: sounds fascinating. I know kayla was mentioning earlier also is kayla is it being uploaded into a repository the thesis
0: so Will because it's be it, available so because it is a thesis um and i believe it's at ubc so we collect all of the theses that are produced through ubc so it's in our circle at ubc so it should be searchable through circle and we did find it the other day because it came up in conversation so it should be in there if everyone wants to take a look at it and I can see if I can add a link to it when we have our blog post about this up.
1: All right, Dion, can I can we sneak in one last question for you?
0: Yeah,
3: totally, whatever you
1: need. Excellent. So of One last question is, and this is something that we like to ask everyone, because we want to inspire Indigenous folks to get their stories out there in whatever way that makes sense to them. Mm -hmm. So do you have any advice for anyone who might be interested in taking on tattooing or uh, reviving cultural tattoos?
3: I would say take that first step to understand, number one, the health aspects of tattooing. Uh, You know, I mentioned it in uh, our conversation that diseases have been used as a way to subdue and through the colonization process of our peoples. And so we don't want to contribute to the further bringing down of our people through bloodborne pathogens. And when I say that, you know, I don't say that to bring anyone down or to uh, talk negatively about people who live with bloodborne pathogens. It's just simply that, you know, we want to ensure the health and safety of all of the people in our communities. And so if we don't understand the basic aspects of bloodborne pathogens, cross-contamination, and the health aspects of tattooing, we could potentially be doing more harm than good in our communities and then the second thing would be is to look into yourself and understand the reason that you are taking that step you know why why are you so interested why do you need to do this work and really get to know yourself take that journey inside yourself to answer that question and i think that that journey within yourself will help you to take the steps that you need to do. Because the reality is, is the steps that one person, somebody needs to do uh, may be different than the steps that I took. And that's the reason why I asked, you know, friends and colleagues, what was the journey that they took into the revival of their ancestral tattooing practices? Because the multitude of voices help to tell the story for the journey of whoever is looking at those stories. And so do the research about tattooing through the research about your ancestral tattooing tradition. But I would also say don't take the lack of evidence or the lack of the support for your ancestors having tattooing or not having a multiplicity of knowledge or references to your tattooing tradition to uh, hinder that journey into reviving it, whether that's as a practitioner or aware of your cultural tattooing because I think it's important for us to allow those who need the marks to get the marks and to start that journey of revival and connection back to our ancestors, back to our communities, back to our ancestral territories, so that we can have pride and uh, stand in balance to fight those things that uh, are trying to push us down and continually try to erase us out of existence. So, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, oh." I only have one word or one sentence or one paragraph that we used to tattoo. Well, for me, that's enough. Start that journey of researching, what do the museums have that have your visual and material culture? Are there baskets, are there painted clothing, is there rock art, you know, is there pictographs painted on the rock, you know, those are all messages from the ancestors to you to help you and to embody your culture and strengthen you in the person that you need to be for today, so don't take that as uh, evidence that you didn't tattoo, you know, and I would also say again, you know, it's important for us to reinterpret our tattooing traditions for us today as contemporary people living in a contemporary world and thinking about what we need to do for the people to be.
2: Yes, amazing. (laughs) I could talk to you for like a few more hours but we don't, I mean probably you don't have time for that or whatever. (laughs) Um, Do you have anything to plug?
3: Uh, Just my YouTube channel, maybe go check out my YouTube channel. You know, it tells the story of my journey through Indigenous tattooing and the relationships and the friendships that I have. So, you know, interviews with friends and colleagues, whether that's in Samoa or the journey of going to cultural events or beginning the revival of skin stitching, you know, so go check it out. And
2: yeah. Do people book you through your YouTube?
3: Oh, you can go check out my website as well Um, you can also check out research about various uh, indigenous communities tattooing practices at www.indigenoustattooing.com uh, so it's a repository of some of the historical references to many indigenous nations tattooing practices that i have uh, compiled throughout my journey and then also my blog is there uh, which I try to update but it doesn't always get done.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> updating updating your website is a uh, evergreen to-do list yeah. item. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah okay. that's, a, that's a future
1: problem. Yeah, yeah especially but yeah. thank you thank you so much Dion for sitting with us and blowing our minds for the last Absolutely. hour. This uh, conversation went into all different directions that I did not anticipate but I'm super thankful for you just spoke about so many really heavy topics so eloquently so thank you so much for joining us today
3: yeah thank you for the opportunity I'm super stoked to uh, see the episode but also see what comes next in next season so thank you for having me here
0: all right everyone so i hope you enjoyed this episode with dion dion is actually our last guest of season two of the book Women podcast and i am like so thankful that he was able to do it this is one not that i don't love all the other guests but this is one of my favorite episodes that we've done and thank you hi hi and we will see you for one more episode